0: to another hope message from life for more information about our church visit lifeau.org we're having a series called adrift and this series is really about the fact that we're more than just physical beings in fact we're more than just spiritual beings we are people who have a soul and if we're honest with life, I think often our soul is our challenge area. It's the place where we don't know how to direct it at times. And I'm going to begin in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, where again, Scripture says, May God himself, the God who makes everything, get this, holy and whole, make you holy and whole. It's an amazing thing that a human being can find forgiveness for sin. And the Bible says that God, once we give our lives to him, comes and lives with us. We are carriers of the DNA of God. It's a phenomenal thing to to understand that my spirit houses God. It's a challenge to realize that my soul can keep him contained. That I am three parts. I'm spirit, soul, and body, and yet... It's kind of like the Bible says that God doesn't just want to make us forgiven and holy and righteous. He wants to make us whole. In fact, verse 23 says that he's going to put me together, spirit, soul, and body. And keep me fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. I love this particular verse because it puts it into context Most of my life, I didn't really understand how I worked. And so I was always wanting to try, uh, change myself, get myself right outside in. Only to realize no, God works from where he is, spirit, through my soul, through the fact of my feeling and my emotions and bring me to a place of soul fitness. But what I've discovered is that my soul, all of our souls, Which, by the way, if you don't know what souls are, they are your mind where you make your decisions. Uh, You think, your will, your emotions, and your feelings. And so often, it's that part of who we are that makes the decisions about how we're going to respond. But God wants to make us soul fit. But soul fit requires that we carry the right kind of anchors. And if you don't carry the anchor that your soul requires you will create attachments. And those attachments can be negative things. They can be things from your past that uh, now rule the way that you respond emotionally. They can be fear. They can be circumstantial evidence. In other words, what's happening around you now is dictating to you how you should live and how you should feel. But the Bible says, no, you are spirit. The moment you give your life to Christ, you are spirit. You have a soul, but your soul requires an anchor, and it is something to develop soul fitness. How many know that fitness looks easy on TV? I don't know how many times it's like, we need one of those machines. Yeah. The problem is when you go to the gym, there's cost. Uh, I try to be pretty good in a busy life, and so I'm up there as much as I can at least a few times a week, sometimes more than that. And I have a kind of routine. I'll start sometimes going, and I'll do a 5K run and try to increase the pace. And the other time I will go, and I'll get on the bikes, and I'll ramp up the level, which is the resistance. And, so, and then I'll go and do some weights. But uh, when I get onto the bike, my legs aren't the biggest and not the most powerful part of who I am. And I go on these, and I, I'm now up to level 13, which is not where it could be, but it, it's kind of this competitive thing. It's like when I can master my level and hit under 16 and a half minutes, I go up to the next level. So here I am at the gym. If you see me early in the morning and I'm on the, 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 the bike, I, I've lifted up the level and I'm going flat out. My shirt is wet. My, oh, I'm sounding good this morning. My muscles are screaming. And it's kind of like, whoa. And then I've got it down at 16 and a half minutes or under that. It's like, it's time to go to the next level. And then I look down at the calorie count. All that work, 200 calories. And I go, what's the point? How many know you buy a cream donut because you have exercised? And you have the right to indulge. And so you buy the cream. It's 530 calories. Come on acoustic. You've got to hear this today and respond. And if you're online, come on north, south. It's kind of like, so what's the point? It costs to keep this temple healthy. It's going to cost you. That's why many of us are not sulfur. Come on. We would prefer an attachment rather than an anchor even as a teenager in church it's like Sundays I used to worship and often I'd be at older calls and it's like God I want to live for you and I'd go and just mix with the wrong crowd and it's like I would fail or do things I wish I never would have done and my emotions would get a hold of me and say well you're hopeless There's no point in going on. And yet I'd go back to Sunday and I'd say, oh God, I'm sorry. I've stuffed up 30 years, more than 30 years of fathering people. I see the domination of their natural world or their feeling world rather than who God says they are and who God calls us to be. Hebrews 12 and verse 1 says this, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Talking about the Bible, lest we drift away. It's kind of like you can be in church, have a great message and go, wow, I love that message, but you've got to take heed. Message, Boy, uh, message Bible puts it like this, unless you must have a firm grip on the word and the authority of God, otherwise you will drift. And really through this series, my prayer is that we will learn not to allow our soul to dominate, That it won't go to default attachments. But we will learn to realize that God loves us and understands our soul. And has given us an anchor that we can deploy. To keep our soul in alignment. Even the writing of Hebrews chapter 2 was a time where the Hebrew Christians. Having experienced the reality of the message of Jesus. And were so pumped up in their Christian walk now had drifted. And in their drifting, very interesting to note that the writer of Hebrews was addressing these Christians who had drifted away from church. They hadn't lost their faith, but they were no longer consistently in church. Can I say this? When soul begins to drift, you end up isolating. You, you become the one that is choosing the environment, yet I can teach you from the word of God if you're not planted. You only have a measure of the prospering that God wants to bring to you. Not only that, they were wanting a physical priesthood. Because of what they were going through, it's kind of like, I know Jesus is our priest and he has opened the veil and he's the go-between to the Father. But we want something tangible. We, We want something that has natural evidence. Sounds a lot like some of the church today. Sounds like a Thomas spirit. If I can't see it and touch it, then how can I believe in it? And the soul is all about the touchy-feely and the physical direction rather than pointing us back to our spiritual man. The third thing that they wanted to return to was animal sacrifices. Okay, so they were away from church. They were wanting a physical priesthood. And they were wanting to re-engineer or re put into practice animal sacrifices like the old testament why because they wanted to address the unworthiness okay i want to talk to everybody online and as we said acoustic each of the campuses you know the enemy's got you when he keeps playing on your unworthiness and it's like you can't fix it as long as you try to do it outside in, you'll never get there but as you realize jesus died for you there are no more sacrifices needed There's an alignment issue. There's a need to put things in place. And our souls are bombarded by this feeling thing. In fact, why the early church, the Hebrew Christians found themselves there is because they were under persecution. Persecution, by the way, is like, I don't like Christians and so I'm going to make your life hard. Persecution is whatever dominates you. So you can be persecuted by the patterns of your past and never get breakthrough. You can get... Persecuted by your now feelings. Our world is telling our children and everyone else, you are what you feel. The Bible says, no, you are not what you feel. You have feelings. Yeah, right. You are who God says you are. And as you live out your faith, the right feelings will come. You can't live according to your feeling. Heart and soul on Wednesday night, I was talking about living self-aware as leaders. And again, I was talking about our job is not to fight darkness. Our job is to be light. Here at Life, we're not going to get involved in arguing out on a media platform what is right and wrong, but we're going to build who God says we are. We're going to build the, come on, somebody say amen. We're going to build our strength from spirit, soul, and body. And you might go, well, adrift. I, my emotions, I think, are adrift. Soul security, by the way, requires, as I'm saying, the right anchor. Well, what's your anchor for your soul? Your soul was designed to have an anchor, and if it doesn't, it creates an attachment. Uh, I I love the water. I love boating. If I were to say to you, okay, we're going to go out in the boat. What do you think is the most important safety equipment we could have? What would we say? Somebody cries out, life jackets. Yeah, I think that is pretty important. It's important for our own safety, but it doesn't secure the boat. Because how many know you can have a life jacket be out hundreds of miles in the sea. And it's possibly not the best scenario. So life jackets, I would say personal safety, absolutely. What would be next on the list of most important? Maybe a radio. So that we could call Coast Guard. Coast Guard, Coast Guard Radio. This is Zulu Mike Sierra 5998 Snapper City. Always bring a prophetic name to your boat. We are going out. There. We are leaving Manly Beach and we are heading out to the Halraki Gulf to bring home some dinner. Do your copy. Zulu Mike's Era, 5998, Snapper City. We copy. What time do you think you'll be back? We should be back around in an hour's time full of Snapper. <laughs> that might have been a bit OTT. You need a radio, you need a fire extinguisher. Hey, there are times in your life where you'll need a fire extinguisher. Yeah, fire. Didn't expect it, but something had been left. And come on, you've got electrical problems. Yeah. Then you need flares if you're going a long way. If you've been going long enough, you need some flares because there'll be times in your life where you find yourself out beyond the horizon. And the only hope you have is by putting something higher than you are. And then if that doesn't work, let's have some provision with some extra water. I think a lot of the problem of the soul in our Christian walk is that many of us never think beyond today. And we're not preparing to stay soul fit. And so we miss out. And then, of course, I would argue the greatest safety equipment for a boat is its anchor. Because no matter what you go through, That anchor will keep you heading into the storm rather than taking it side on. Our anchors can find rock and they can find mud. And it's amazing if you pull into a bay, you can have a change of winds even overnight when you went watching. And so the anchor is incredibly important and the condition of the rope. I kind of feel like sometimes the enemy doesn't want us to realize that if we keep harping on about the things that have happened, we're going to live with a frayed rope. And under pressure is when we'll realize it can't stand. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, as we read, Therefore we must give more earnest need, or heed rather, to the things that we've heard. In other words, we've got to bathe ourselves. We've got to commit ourselves to what God says about who we are, lest we drift away. And a couple of thoughts about drifting this morning as we head into the series is first, that drift happens when we fail to deploy the appropriate anchor. See, I think sometimes when all of a sudden the winds blow and we find ourselves in a challenge that uh, we're looking for an anchor that we've never positioned. It's kind of like an insurance policy. If you want to go boating, make sure you've got the right kind of anchor because you can be out there one day and go, we could go anywhere only to discover out of nowhere does the wind come. And sometimes in our little Christian bubble, We get surprised that we go through tough stuff. You know, I I say to Christians all the time, I say, what were you expecting? Well, I I was expecting I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God and God is in me and God is with me. And I said, yeah, but you're in a season outside of the garden. I don't want to depress you today, but I want to pop the Christian bubble. If you're going to take ground for God, you're going to face the wind of the enemy. There are unexpected, dangerous things that are a part of our life. In fact, I have no excuse in talking about life of saying, we're not here to have a nice Sunday meeting and just... Tickle people, make them feel good. We, we'll do the best we can. We believe in excellence, but we're not here just to make you feel good. It's about we're a forerunner church. We're here to take ground back of the enemy. We we can't settle. We can't stop. We can't. You know that's why it's no good me just sharing something without heart and emotion because there's a generation of people that don't realize God loves them. God created them. God died for them. God's got an answer to their pain and conflict. God can lift them up out of their miry clay and set their feet upon a rock and it's kind of like so when I'm a part of a forerunner church what does it look like to me you're gonna have challenge in fact you'll have challenge just doing life because the enemy's against you but there is a challenge for us come on when we face the unexpected and the storms is our theology strong enough in us to keep us through that or have we got a fear weather theology we got something that just works when God's doing it. and everything. Like People say to me, well, how do you guys cope? It's like, how do you cope with the load and what you're carrying? Our everyday lives are like anyone else. I'm I just going to make a decision that God works from the inside out. So when the outside looks pessimistic and when the outside is a problem, we'll say, well, did God call us to that? Yes, he did. So we're going to go and we're going to find a solution. I've had to learn to live from a different operating system. I want you to hear this. Once you've given your life to Christ, your answer's within you. And just begin to go, no, this is what God says about me. This is not how I feel, but this is what God says about me. And to do that, this is what I do. I decide not to carry what's not mine. So if God said, do it, and it's not working, well, that's not my problem. That's his. Come on, so I'm going to do my best, but I'm going to entrust that he'll meet us. As I put in my works, faith will release the supernatural and I'm going to see God come through, even though it's often longer than I think. Because I've got to activate my security is when I've got the right kind of anchor deployed, the right kind of anchor beyond who I am. Talking of Abraham in Hebrews 6.13, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because God could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Love this. Saying, surely, Abraham blessing, I'm going to bless you. Abraham multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. And so, speaking of Abraham, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Come on, you are got to endure. You want to go to new levels. You've got to increase the level of your ability to push through. And say, okay, and so God was saying, I I can't make an oath. You know, it was in a day. This was written in a day where if a man or a woman made an oath, that was it. You didn't have to have signed legal documents. An oath decided it. That was it. There was no contesting of the oath. That's why Herod, when he gave an oath to his wife's daughter, that she could have half the kingdom, had to take John the Baptist's head off. Even though he didn't want to do it, he had to because he made an oath. Uh, an oath, sorry, verse 18 of chapter 6, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that was set before us. Okay, so what's the anchor the soul needs? Verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence of God beyond the veil. Okay. So again, wherever we are today, what's the size of your anchor? How much hope or has hope eroded? And so now you look to attachments rather than the anchor. And it's like God says, no, you've got to stir up hope. Paul, I'm in the toughest of times. Somebody after the first service has said something, oh, I've been through this and I'm, I feel kind of depressed. But I don't want to be negative. I said, you've got no problem. That's not being negative, being real. Come on, I don't believe in a Christianity. Oh, I ain't got that and you got it. You got it. But i got a hope in a God that can take me through it. Come on, let's pop the bubble. Because the enemy has got a lot of us confused going, why is it so tough? And it's like, what did Moses? Uh, sorry, Abraham have to do? Patiently endure. I'm going to put my hope anchor down because it's sure, it's steadfast and it enters through the presence of God. Yeah, but I thought God would just come to me and lift me out. No, no, no. Even the torn veil we get wrong. When Jesus died and rose again, what does the Bible says? God said the, tail, no, sorry, the, tail, the veil that separates man from the holy presence of God because Jesus went all the way is going to be rent. In other words, torn from top to bottom. I don't read anywhere that it was parted. It was torn, able to be accessed. Come on. There are times in your life, where's God? What the flip is going on? God, I've done all of this stuff. You just got to go up and say, yeah. But God said that he's torn the veil. I got hope in the presence of God. I'm going to push through the curtain of what I can't see, to experience the presence of God that brings the liberty. That's the poetry of me coming out. It's like, come on, some of you need to lift your hope. Online, it's so great you've tuned in because you need to hear it. God wants you to lift your hope. Living by attachments or living by an anchor. So strong, that hope that takes us into the presence of God. See, our anchor is hope. What I've discovered is hope is our decision to accept that God is God. You say, how do I enlarge my hope? You just got to accept that God is God. Uh, even Revelation, this is the Bible, says if you keep second guessing whether God is God, walk away. Don't stay lukewarm, one foot in. You know, I know kind of God is there, but you know, I, man, I've got so much stuff and bad stuff in my life that, God can't accept me. No, 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 no. God loves you. He doesn't love you because you're good. He doesn't love you because, come on, He wants you to accept yourself. God is good. God is God. As a teenager, okay, well, is He God or not? I've been in church my whole life. He's God. Boy, that changed a whole lot in me. He's God. I look at creation, He's God. I don't understand all of what he's doing, but he's God. So I'm not even having to go there because he's God. I accept God as God. Maybe today that's the simple thing. God is God. So therefore, if he is God, why would I live in both camps? If hope is our anchor, then hope is our belief in the authority of God's word. There's so many people going, you know, Christians like, well, the Bible, it's a different day. You remove the absoluteness of God's word you're going to drift out to dangerous waters. There are different dispensations, I get that, but God's word, God can protect his word. He used people, he always uses people, but he's protected his word. It's an absolute reference point. If you don't have that anchor down, you're going to end up with attachments. Thirdly, our anchor is hope and hope is formed. As I said before in a revelation that God loves me. Well, somebody today, God loves you. You say, yeah, but my life's a compromise. If you really knew what I've been doing and what I keep going back to, I just want to tell you, God already knows. And he doesn't love you because you're good enough. He just loves you because he created you. And if we just stood today at the end of today's service and go, God, I'm, I've drifted away. I believe it, but I've drifted. Come home. I can't make you do that, and I wouldn't. I want to, but I won't. Because God doesn't. He just says, I love you. Would you just accept I love you in your state? And then once you get that settled, then you've got to live with hope so you germinate faith. If you don't have hope, you might know that God's forgiven you, but if you don't live with hope, you've got no soil that's able to germinate faith. So many Christians don't see anything supernatural happening because they don't have the right kind of soil. It's like, come on, I'm going to put my hope down. My hope's going to enlarge. The bigger the storm, the more I'm going to deploy the right anchor. I don't expect storms not to come. No, you need the right size of anchor. You need to push through. Second thought about drift. Drift happens when we fail to deploy the appropriate anchor. Secondly, it happens when personal hope weakens. So maybe today it's just as we set the foundation, as I said for the series, we all go through the unexpected, but don't allow the unexpected to determine your reality. So we're up living up in the Peroa Peninsula, and we love it up there. But last summer, we had this storm that came in at 40 plus knots. And of course, this beautiful, serene beat. I tried to be a news forecaster. <laughs> because it was on an Apple phone, that the, the sound clarity wasn't that good. But I was telling everybody, come out, experience this thing. But the beautiful sand that was on the beach was completely washed away by one storm. And the waves just intensified through the night, came up onto the road. And I was like, wow, we've never seen anything like that. Talking to some people up there. Have you ever seen it? Never seen it. Then I bumped into some people that have been there more than 10 to 20 years. And I said, man, look at what's happened to the beach. They said, oh, about 10 years ago it happened. But the sand came back. You're not the only one going through what you're going through. Come on, yeah, but I'm so weak and I give in to the bad stuff. You're not the only one. Come on, put it in hope that God's got a better tomorrow because the sand's coming back. And again, it's restoring itself because God's the creator. And our greatest of challenges are not the storms, but the lack of preparation for them. And I want to stir you up. Come on, we've got an anchor called hope. You don't deploy that anchor. You're going to find yourself in attachments. In fact, I would say that crisis reveals our trust location. Oh, I trust God. Let's see. Yeah, but God, I thought you were all for me. When you get saved, I don't know if you ever experienced this, like, God's all around me. I just pray and I got to pray, pay rise. I feel God's presence. And then all of a sudden, one day, it's like, where's He gone? This is what happens. We got a little grandson. His name is Cruz. He's the next first-generation boy. He's one. He turned one today. Cruz was at our place yesterday, and he's walking around the furniture. What do you think Pop is going to do? Cruz, you're one. Walk, bro. <laughs> Don't let the girls beat you. Walk. So give him a bump to see if he's steady like that because he can let go and stand, but he just doesn't walk forward. You know what uh, dad in heaven, God's going to do to you sometimes? He's going to surround you in the crisis, and then he's going to step back. Say, walk to me, because I don't want you to live by soul feelings. I want you to live because I'm God. You've settled the equation. And your hope is in me. Verse 23 of Hebrews 10, let us hold fast. I want the teams to come and join me in every campus. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. The bigger your storm, the bigger your ankle will need to be. Yeah, but man, everything's going wrong. Come on. Lift your hope. My hope is not in what I see naturally. Not in what I feel emotionally. It's in the God that says, I'll work everything together for good. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Because he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. Verse 25. This is amazing scripture because it takes us back to the Hebrew Christians that walked away from all of this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some Christians are. Because we're here to exhort one another. Environment shape destinies. Oh, yeah, but no. You can choose. I'm gonna talk the men's conference about destinations. You just don't end up anywhere. It's a result of something. These three things. Hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering. Be a guardian of your hope voice. Man, I just got this prognosis pretty scary, to be honest. But i got a God far bigger than any. And even if it doesn't work out the way I want it to work out, it will work out God's way. What's your hope voice like? Yeah, but I'm just a negative person. We'll change it. Get the Word of God until you start speaking the Word of God over your life. Come on, become a guardian of your hope voice. We all go through hard times, and that's okay, but then we need somebody to tap us. That's why the church has been formed, so we're in deep relationship. Someone taps us on the shoulder and encourages us. Get your hope voice back. Come on, speak again. Remain planted at all costs and build into others. What's your anchor like? I'm nine years of age. Lower Hutt is where I live, and the Wahine storm hits. The Wahine storm is about a ferry called the Wahine that was coming back into the harbor from the South Island. If you know the channel we used to fish there, it became treacherous when wind opposes the tide, but this was a huge storm. It changed within milliseconds from 50 knots to 100 knots. And the captain bringing the boat through, Captain H. G. Robertson, as the Severe winds began to beat against the wahine. He said, drop the anchors, drop the anchors. So they dropped the anchors only to discover that the anchors they had couldn't hold the ship in the size of the storm. I remember as a nine-year-old kid going to school that day, running from one lamppost to the other one because it was literally throwing us over. We couldn't stand against the pressure of the wind. Unfortunately, the anchors couldn't hold the wahine and so it hit rocks. And so devastation took place. There's a guy called Sir Walter Scott. He's a Scottish uh, historical novelist. And he said this, you place one rusty nail near a faithful compass and it will sway you away from the truth. We're going to have a lot of rusty nails. We're going to have a lot of severe winds. Come on, let's increase the size of our anchor. Not with a frayed rope of what's gone on in the past, but attached. A friend of mine, we went fishing and he's always been on the water. We spent a lot of time early years. Not so much these days, but he loves it. But to be honest, it's scary on the boat with him sometimes because he doesn't know where he came from. He says, we're going home that way. And I go, no, no, it's that way. So I got to go with him a lot. And then his wife, in one particular Christmas, bought him this incredible anchor. It was a polished stainless steel anchor. with stainless steel chain, which kind of, I don't get being Dutch. That's a lot of money. But she knew he loved boating. So we went out. I still can show you the place up north where we deployed the anchor for the first time, only to find ourselves in water deeper than we've we thought it was. And he is not the most detailed person. And just as it was going out and it was going down and down, he cried out, no, I forgot to tie it on. (laughs) We never found that anchor again. (laughs) Come on. Many of us come into an environment where there's hope. We never attach it. And our next week is the same as the other week. Whereas if we give it to God and say, God, you're the center. When you put your anchor on a rock called Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter what storm comes. Come on, you're not going to drift into a set of rocks. He's going to keep you true. Your anchor keeps you faced into the storm and brings an answer. this podcast from life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.